Welcome to Leadership Web, a podcast series from the University of Arkansas that exposes listeners to a wide range of perspectives on leadership. Through interviews with current leaders, Leadership Web strives to provide tools for you to either begin building your own or continue improving your existing leadership framework. We believe that there is no one single path to successful leadership, but that we can all learn from each other on our own leadership journeys. Today, Dr. John White is joined by Greg Brown, Chairman and Chief Executive Officer of Motorola Solutions. His top five values are authenticity, grit, judgment, decisiveness, and curiosity. I'm John White, and I'm here with Greg Brown in his offices here in Chicago. How long have you been in this building, Greg? We moved down to Chicago from the suburbs uh, just about three years ago. Yeah. So we now, uh, we had almost zero people in Chicago. Now Mm -hmm. we have about Mm 1,200 on the top eight floors of this building. Oh, the top eight floors here. Wow. Does it still have the Motorola name up on top of the building? It has the bat wing uh, right on top of yeah. the roof and then down below Motorola Solutions. Yeah. Worn proudly. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Well, the, the people who are listening to this won't know quite what our relationship is, but let me just right up front say uh, I'm very biased. Uh, I love Greg Brown. He's hmm. like uh, an adopted son for me. And over the years, he has come to our leadership class there at the university and uh, has just blown everyone away. And when I learned that we were going to put together a podcast series, there was one person I absolutely was (laughs) determined to get to be in it. And so I've made a trip to uh, Chicago to interview you. And thank you for giving me time to do this, Greg. Thank you. It's always a pleasure to see you. Well, if any of these young people who are listening to this want to go out and Google you, uh, they'll find out that you are a Jersey boy. Absolutely. And here you are in Chicago. <laughs> and here you are in Chicago. And uh, it, it, my impression is you are a big R as opposed to a D. And yet with uh, during President Obama's years, he tried a couple of times, or at least he he had his people reach out to you about joining his team there. And I think that says a lot about how you approach things, that uh, even though you were the big R, the biggest D at the time (laughs) wanted you on his team. I think it's less, um, my approach has always been, uh, it's not about party. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not about ideology. Mm -hmm. It's more about uh, common ground. And unfortunately, I think today, politically, socially, everything's polarized. Everybody, oh. everybody retreats to their corners. Mm-hmm. And it's either north or south, mm-hmm. or black and white, east mm-hmm. or west, mm-hmm. yes or no. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I just have been wired a different way. And I think I love dealing with people, all kinds of people, mm-hmm. learning from everybody. And I'm just more interested in... Uh, I'm interested in moving the ball forward and learning along the Mm -hmm. way. You know I'm a big, you've had a big impact on me. I love reading and learning and listening, and but uh, 
I appreciate you coming here too because you and I have known each other. This is my 17th year with Motorola. Wow. And 12th as CEO. So we've mm. known each other almost two decades. Yeah. You know, I, I was very interested and thank you for sharing your uh, leadership values with us. Uh, when I asked for your five top leadership values, I can just imagine the struggle it must have been to narrow your list down to five. But I, th I thought how interesting the very first one that you gave was authenticity. And, and then the next was grit, and then judgment, then decisiveness, and then curiosity. And those really do describe you. Authentic, oh, authentic. <laughs> this Jersey boy is absolutely authentic. When you would come to my class, it did not take you 15 seconds to have everyone in that room wrapped around your fingers. It was, this is Greg Brown. What you see is what you get. <laughs> and absolutely. But, you know, I looked, I, I thought, authenticity. So I looked up in the dictionary, a de definition that said genuine, original, veracity, hmm. dependability, trustworthiness. And all of those really describe you. And yet there's one thing about authenticity that I think a number of our listeners would think it means transparency. And yet you can't be transparent. There was a time mm -hmm. in the Motorola history in which your transparency not only showed through, but it was eating you alive. Mm -hmm. It was the depths of the Motorola's history. It was a tough, tough time. But uh, the best three-fourths of your partnership, your wife, Anna, She's had best. to tell you it's time for you to shape up and go out there and look like and act like everything's just okay. Absolutely. She, uh, in so many words, said, because uh, I felt a lot of pressure. Mm. We all do, but as you know, the unique circumstances in literally the first few weeks and months oh. of my tenure yeah. were more than I expected, and quite frankly, yep. I thought more than I could handle. Yep. And she, in her own way, uh, while not understanding all the pressures in detail, more importantly understood me, and in essence said, it's not about you. And as you've heard, 65,000 people are waiting for you to lead, and you've got to lead. Mm -hmm. So you have to lead and do your best and deal with that and not be a victim. And interestingly, uh, she repeated back to me things I have said, but I wasn't true to those words at that yeah. time. And yeah. she was a sobering mm -hmm. but caring mm -hmm. reminder. And I think, I think authenticity is you... You do what you say, you say what you do, and you are who you are. Yeah. Now, as it relates to transparency, that doesn't mean you, you still should be authentic, but you can still be discreet. Mm -hmm. You don't have to share everything. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't have to compromise your values. And you have to be selective in the information. Mm -hmm. That was, a, I, I always think of you. I always think of you because in the first few months, it was, and this was first three to six months of 08, 2008, mm -hmm. you could see it 
I wore it on my sleeve, right or wrong, but you were very caring and concerned and supportive. You were very supportive and comforting. Well, thank you. I think that's a responsibility, frankly, of board members. We, we have a responsibility to the care and feeding of the CEO. I mean, that's the one person we should do everything we can to help be a success. But authenticity, that goes back to your first time you showed up sort of at Motorola, that when you came, there was this big thing going on about you had to share the strategic plan for your business. Oh, yeah. And why don't you just share a bit about why I associate that with authenticity? Well, I mean, I was three weeks into my start as, uh, as as a president, and there was a tradition in Motorola that it was the officer meeting, several hundred people. There were only six presidents at the time reporting to the chairman and CEO. And every president had to present the strategic plan. It was a monumental meeting. It was quite significant. And you had to lay out the entire strategy of the company or the division in this case that you were running. Mm-hmm. I'd been there three weeks. Yeah. So first things first, I had to obviously do a lot of homework look at previous presentations, have an understanding, at least directionally, of what I wanted to do, and put together a presentation. I think it went very, very well. I was on the job three weeks. Presented, walked off the stage, walked out the side door, walked out of the hotel front door, jumped in a cab, and went to <laughs> went to my son's high school. He was a freshman. It's in the middle of the afternoon. Watched a freshman basketball game at about 3 or 3.30, maybe 4 o'clock, for two hours. So I left the entire meeting. Yeah. Took a cab back. And by now, all the officers had select seating. Uh, everybody was eating dinner. And it turns out, since I was the new guy, my name tag was next to the CEO. People were already into their dinner course. My salad was still there. And Mr. Galvin said, Greg. Is everything okay? I said, sure, it's great. He said, where were you? I said, I, I left. He said, you left what? I said, I left the meeting after I spoke uh, to go watch my son play high school basketball. And I thought I would return. Now, I didn't, I didn't ask anybody. I didn't think to ask anybody. I didn't mean to be disrespectful. But I knew right away with his reaction and the people at the table that heard that, that that was not... The Motorola way. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't. And I certainly didn't mean to offend anybody. But Dr. White, I also didn't think twice about what I was... I just thought it was very natural, and Mm -hmm. my family is very important, Mm -hmm. and I wasn't going to miss it. Yeah. He was, to his credit, he, he didn't say anything. I could tell with his reaction. Yeah. But that was one of my first exposures to... Maybe I should have thought about that a little bit Speaking more. of your son's basketball games, how many games did you go to? I think the number between 8th grade and 12th grade, year-round, AAU, travel team, summer team, I think I made 211 out of 212. I only missed one game, wow. which was a makeup high school game. Yeah. 
and I had to be in Israel for mm. that, and I missed it. Wow. I made every game. And that's one of the things that uh, I think with a number of our guests who are in this podcast series, that they have found a way that it's not an either or, but it's both right. with respect to family and career. Yep. You have found a way to handle that very well to the point that your wife, your two children, it's just like a partnership. It really is a partnership. And along the way, as I've gotten to know you and and hear a number of things, each one of those members of your family at some point has given you some advice when you needed it that really carried you through. And, And two women in particular who've had big influence on you your wife and your mother, mm-hmm. aluminum, <laughs> aluminum, happy aluminum. Yeah, happy aluminum. <laughs> this is back when you were in high school. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. A uh, high school heading to college, yeah. and I was working in an aluminum factory with my best friend in the summer, and we stuffed insulation into aluminum panels on Route One in North Brunswick, and. You know, it would get north of 100 degrees, and the, and the aluminum material yeah. would stick to your skin, oh, and yeah. I just couldn't stand this job. I yeah. couldn't. I didn't want to get up out of bed, and uh, my buddy would ride his bike uh, to the house, and then we would jump in a car together, and I was always, always late getting out of bed. I didn't want to go do this job. Yeah. And I would slunk downstairs, and shoulders drooped, and... I would want to do anything but that. And my mom, <laughs> always the positive person, we'd walk out on the front porch and she'd just crack open the door and say, happy aluminum. <laughs> and off, and we would laugh yeah. and off we'd go. Yeah. <laughs> and she was the eternal optimist. The sun is going to come up tomorrow. Every day. Mm-hmm. She, uh, she never said a crossword about anybody. The eternal optimist. But she also would say, Gregory... Put those shoulders back, shine those shoes, and go do what you need to do. Wow. Mom was, mom was, had an infectious laugh. Uh, everybody wanted to be around mom. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. And you were, you have four siblings. Yeah. And you have two brothers and two sisters, and you came along, and you're the golden child. I'm the, I'm the baby of yeah. the five. Now, I think what I benefited from was my father mellowing mm-hmm. over the years, mm-hmm. who was a tough man. Yeah. But also, I would scour the activities of my other siblings and know enough to know what was good and what wasn't good. What you could get away with exactly. and what you couldn't. <laughs> and that's what I did. Yeah. Oh, well, and just it's just great. You know, that the influence of your parents has been great on you but you also were able to influence your parents and uh, the story that you've shared with my class about Muhammad Ali and going to that fight and how your father transitioned over time about his feelings about race Mm -hmm. I think were very revealing and especially with what's going on in this country right now that um, more people in this country 
should go with you to the arena and watch Muhammad Ali fight. I yeah. agree. I, he was my hero. Um, my dad was much more old school, did not like uh, that he didn't serve in the military, yeah. didn't understand the mm -hmm. name change from yeah. Cassius Clay yeah. to this strange religion, mm -hmm. didn't like the loudness mm -hmm. and irreverence, mm -hmm. and questioned what I liked about him. And I said, number one, he's I think he's the best in the world, number two. He's quick-witted with humor. Number three, I think he's very inclusive. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, at least in my lifetime, was one of the first truly global personalities that transcended America. Mm -hmm. I think he was kind. Muhammad Ali was very kind to yeah. people, very giving to a fault. Mm -hmm. And I just saw a lot of the goodness. My father didn't see that, but be that as it may, we went to that one fight. Uh, Joe Frazier, Muhammad Ali in 1974. It was the second time they fought. We sat in the next to the last row in the garden. It was, I'm telling you, Dr. White, number one, it was one of the most exciting things even now I've ever been to. Hmm. But number two, to experience it with my father. Yeah. yeah. And he enjoyed it. Wow. He didn't say much, yeah. but he enjoyed it. And he enjoyed the togetherness yeah. of my father and I. And I watched him after that. And I think with time, with reflection, he came to grips mm -hmm. with a lot of the virtues I described and mm -hmm. was less harsh mm -hmm. in his opinions and assessment. And as my dad got older, I saw a softening of his personality, but equally important, maybe more, um, a growing open-mindedness mm -hmm. of other types of people, mm -hmm. religions, mm -hmm. perspectives. Mm -hmm. And watching that transformation, it took time, was pretty special. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I ever told you this part, but I didn't even know it. But I come to find that my mother and father, I guess I didn't notice much, but on Sunday night would kind of disappear or take, I thought they were mm -hmm. taking a ride in the car. Mm -hmm. And they went to the church, the local church, and taught English to illegal immigrants. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. I did in, not know that. In the basement of the church. Yeah. Now, my father, would, years earlier, would never do that. Yeah. But I think that was a great testament to uh, his sensitivity. Yeah, yeah. It was, I, I had no idea, and he never talked about it, mm -hmm. that they did that. That's incredible. Let's turn to your second value which is grit. And so if you look in the dictionary and look up grit, it's uh, sort of loose particles of stone or sand, or alternatively, it um, is courage, resolve, strength of character, bravery, determination. I think you had the second in mind. I don't think you meant be an irritant. <laughs> no, I, I, when I think about grit, I think, about, I think of more around resolve mm -hmm. and resilience. Mm -hmm. So we make mistakes. Feelings get hurt. You do things you regret. You say things you regret. Or you're thrust in circumstances you would rather not be in. But you're there. Mm -hmm. And as I always believe, it's not what happens to you it's how you react to what happens to you 
and I have found, uh, and I believe that the most successful people are the ones that have an inner strength, an inner resilience, recovery, rejuvenation, determination mm-hmm. to find a way mm-hmm. and not be a victim, mm-hmm. but dig down deep. Now, I also don't mean to suggest this is a solo performance mm-hmm. because I get resilience and uh, resolve in large part from my wife, yeah. from my kids, yeah. from members of my team, yeah. in our exchanges, mm-hmm. in, our, uh, in our conversations and ideas. And I think that you tap sources of people you admire and respect and you try to keep it as an inner repository and just keep, and I go back to my parents. Mm-hmm. My father was very determined mm-hmm. and hardworking. My mother was very optimistic mm-hmm. and could recover from anything. Mm-hmm. And I think that those blended ingredients have helped yeah. me. Yeah. Not only do these five authenticity, grit, judgment, decisiveness, and curiosity describe you, but they seem to be values you also look for in others. I do. As you're assembling your team. I do. Because I think that um, what I don't like is uh, I don't like high ego. I don't like people who it's more about them. Mm. I'm less attracted to people who believe they're the smartest person in the room Mm -hmm. and worse yet have to demonstrate it. Oh, yes. I want people who listen, absorb reflect, ruminate, because if you have the right people around you, you'll generally, and you're getting the right input and transparency, you'll much more frequently than not make Mm -hmm. the right decisions. When you have the right level of information and you're all about a purpose that's not about you, Mm -hmm. but about the company or whatever it is, a greater good or purpose that you're of whatever organization you're about, you'll make very good decisions when I think about picking people for my team or even interviewing somebody to come into the company, it's quality and fit. Mm-hmm. And quality could be experience, credentials, degree, mm-hmm. the hygiene of qualifications. Yeah. But fit mm-hmm. is equally important. I don't think we generally people spend as much time on fit and fit is the commonality of values, the mm-hmm. commonality of purpose. Mm-hmm. And it fit by, I don't mean fit where people have to fit into us yeah. or you fit into a point of view. Mm-hmm. That's not what I'm suggesting or an ideology. But you have a foundation of principles and you get energy from doing something much bigger than you. Mm-hmm. Grit to me also means edge that you can make the tough decisions. Mm -hmm. I agree. Uh, I think that, I don't know who said this, but you know I'm a big believer in sports. And I don't think, I admire people who change their style along the way, Mm -hmm. depending upon the circumstances. What I mean by that, if I use a sports analogy for a minute, there are some players that you need to kick in the rear end. Mm -hmm. There's others you need to pat them on the back. And there's others you should say nothing. Mm -hmm. Now, suspending the sports metaphor, Mm -hmm. when you're leading a team, it's knowing which one of those to do, which, with which individuals 
at certain points in time. And you might do all of those three with the same person at different points in time, depending upon the circumstances. So sometimes that means having an edge or uh, a respectful directness, respectful, not heavy-handed, not bully, but uh, an honest exchange of how you feel or what you think. And it could be very disarming and it could be very Mm soft-spoken. But you're not uh, pulling any punches with what needs to be said. Mm -hmm. I didn't used to be that way. I could be. I didn't have the confidence to do it consistently. Over time, I've gotten Mm -hmm. a little bit better. Yeah. You shared something with our class that uh, for one individual in the class, it was a transformative experience because of what you said. And this was the business about when you find yourself in a situation that you think you cannot handle, you have two choices, either change it or change the way you think about it. That's the whole thing. I I forget where I heard that or read that. And it seems a bit profoundly simplistic. Mm. But Dr. White, it works. Yeah. It works. At Motorola, I had more than a few times where just extreme situations. You have a choice. I could leave, quit, or I could change the way you think about it. It sounds really easy to do, much harder to do, but it is absolutely, I have found it to be mm-hmm. very significant. You know, we were together last night at something, and uh, I, years ago there was a board member who uh, I just found an incompatibility with and, and uh, without going into a whole lot of detail, I just struggled about it. And it was, I can either change it, meaning he leaves the board or I leave the company. Yeah. Neither one of those was realistic at all. Well, I just changed the way I think about it. Mm-hmm. And so I, uh, I think, developed a little bit of a tougher skin, had more confidence to talk to him over time, and you learn and grow. We are what we think. Mm -hmm. You think negative, you'll see negative. You've also heard me say, you'll always find what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. You will. If someone comes in or you say, Greg, this person's going to join us in two minutes, and I'm not a big fan, I guarantee you, through that lens and filter, I will see his behavior, his whatever, his mannerisms, his commentary, and I'll interpret a negativity to them or a personalization Mm -hmm. to them that will just build Mm -hmm. in an unproductive, unhealthy way. So you kind of change the way you think about it. And when someone says or does something, and I would call it a very negative action, Mm -hmm. and I wish I could do this all the time, I do unpack it and say, what was their intention Mm. as opposed to their action? Mm -hmm. Someone might say the wrong thing or say something offensive, but was their intention the right one? And if their intention was the right one, then we should be able to um, be less sensitive and Mm -hmm. look at the spirit the way it was intended. But some people, you look at the action and the intention 
and it's not favorable, you can dwell on it, you can complain about it, you can be victimized by it, or you let it roll. And I think that is experience, scar tissue, Hmm. takes time. Yeah. And it's not easy to do sometimes. Not at all. Not Not at all. Your third value is judgment. Uh, Now, that's judgment versus judgmental. Right. Yeah. Again, looking at the dictionary, you'd say ability to make considered decisions or come to sensible conclusions. It means discernment, shrewdness, common sense, wisdom, prudence, understanding, judgment, to have good judgment. How are you able to make those judgments about your own judgment? How Um, do you do that? Can't always do it. Obviously, these sound great on paper. I would be the first to tell you, I don't adhere to all of these all the time. I try to. They're Mm -hmm. aspirational. Mm -hmm. I think, Dr. White, judgment could be the most underrated of those five virtues. Mm -hmm. I think uh, we tend to think about what we want to say, how we want to say it. Mm -hmm. I want to make my point. I want to make sure I do my best. And we tend to think, even in an exchange, We're thinking about what we're going to say, what we want to say, the point we want to make. And our antennas are not up as clearly to listen to the other person. Mm -hmm. Listen to what they're saying. But more deeply, trying to think about why they feel that way. We're in the world of uh, ADD. Everything is a Google search. Mm -hmm. Uh, a Twitter feed, a Facebook post, a headline. That's the what. We don't take the time, in my view, to unpack it and reflect on it and understand it and have an iteration. Forget online, but more more importantly, personally, a personal iteration Mm -hmm. and a back and forth to understand why. I am a believer in the face-to-face touch. So um, we're here in my office. My entire team, and this is rare, my entire team is down the hall. Uh, My CFO's 10 feet away. My general counsel's 20 feet away. Cynthia's 40 feet away. Mm -hmm. Jack Malloy is on the 38th floor who runs Worldwide Sales. Mm -hmm. We are constantly, constantly popping into each other's office in an informal rhythm to get information and understand. I think judgment, I think judgment is the ability to discern and gather information, but you do that in a relaxed, open, I I would say iterative way. And I like to think about things if I'm making a decision. Well, first of all, when I talk to people, I know what I know. I don't know what you know. As I gather information, all I care about is what you know. And I will think about that, get multiple points of view, assimilate it, modify it a bit, massage it, tweak it, even though I am, uh, I think people think, oh, Greg's gregarious and outgoing and articulate. When it comes to big decisions, I'm very introverted and reflective. 
I do, the other thing I do or try to do, Dr. White, is white space. I have a calendar of things to do. I purposely, purposely block out blocks of hours where nothing's on the calendar. Mm -hmm. I may think, I may read, I may walk around. Mm -hmm. It's just the way you process it for for me. It's the way I gather information and Mm -hmm. process it. And I'll also often check, depending upon what it is, with other people I love and respect. Mm-hmm. Could be my wife, could be my son, mm-hmm. could be a colleague CEO, could be a former board member, could be anybody. But I think about who might provide some value add to this thing. And I'm explaining this value of judgment through the lens of key decisions and gathering them. And then the decisive fourth element is, do you act on it? Mm-hmm. As we know through the history of Motorola, there are things we knew and didn't know, Mm -hmm. but oftentimes it's the failure to act. Mm -hmm. In fact, that that next one, that fourth one, is the only one in the list where I feel like you mean something quite different than what you find if you look in the dictionary. If you look there, decisiveness means the ability to make decisions quickly and effectively. And that's fine as long as you are just focusing on the ability to, not that that's what you do right. all the time. And, uh, and I know you well enough to know that you're not a ready, fire, aim Mm-mm. kind of person. You're not quick to judge, quick to make the decisions, but rather you like to get lots of information. It gets to the last one, which is curiosity, Mm -hmm. because you have such curiosity that you don't believe you have all the answers. You really are trying to get more information. But the ability to make the decision is the key, I think, about when you say decisive. Well, and uh, the ability to make quick decisions, I would say that's true for me, but I'm going to start the shot clock at a different point. Uh So when I have the information, when I've completed the mm-hmm. weeks or days or months of gathering, I have everything I have, mm-hmm. I'll make it quickly. Yeah. I don't make it quickly if you start from the data gathering point. Yeah. But if you have the information you have and it's the old 80-20 or 90-10 rule, mm-hmm. you got to pull the trigger. Yeah. Curiosity, the last one stems from, I believe, uh, I don't know why. I don't know whether I, I don't know why. It's really, I don't know, but I'm always trying to be better. What does that mean? More giving, more thoughtful, smarter, more patient, a better Christian, better father. It sounds, you can go right down the list, mm-hmm. but I, I don't know why you wouldn't want to try to be better today than you were yesterday. Mm-hmm. And the curiosity element is to learn more, not just data algorithms, numbers, margins, cash flow. What's our competition doing? Find out more about people, their individual situations. Curious, I'm very curious about the geopolitical environment. Mm. I read, I'm a voracious reader, as I've told you. Mm -hmm. I read, I read on Saturdays and Sundays, I read six to eight hours a day. Wow. Easily. Mm -hmm. 
Now, that's the good news. The bad news is that that is a very bad thing to do from a physical exercise standpoint. I'm very sedentary. And I have to, I'm my most comfortable, Dr. White, my most comfortable uh, reading for eight hours a day on Saturday and Sunday with a hot cup of coffee. And I also would oftentimes pull out and make some notes. If it's a country that we're in, if it's a leader politically, if it's, it could be anything, it could be the, the Federal Reserve and economic policy, it could be uh, the ECB and what they're thinking, it could be NATO, it could be Brexit. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but I think the more context, foundation, understanding, the better you're informed and the better you're informed, the better you are at understanding, I would hope. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately feeds the better decision-making and judgment. What do you read on a regular basis? I only read a few books a year. I read the Chicago Tribune, Wall Street Journal, Financial Times every day. The New York Times on the Sunday edition. But in no particular order, The New Yorker, The Economist, Fortune, Business Week, Sports Illustrated, Foreign Affairs, which is a bi-monthly kind of foreign policy, Vanity Fair, Mm -hmm. Music and Entertainment, um, it's a bit in, of an eclectic mix, mm-hmm. sports, a little bit of entertainment, uh, political, and then probably more business-centric. Mm-hmm. But I am always fascinated by the intersection of those different points. Yeah. Um, because I don't think you can... I don't think in today's world you play in one playground, per se. I think they are interconnected, mm-hmm. politically and socially, with other areas of interest. That's what I read. We've covered um, your five, but there's some other things that I would want <laughs> I would want our listeners to learn from you. One of the things that you have advised students in my class is to be interested, not interesting. Mm-hmm. Would you mind just expanding on that a bit? Yeah, I think that when you are with people, one-on-one or in a group, if you're interesting, you're telling stories, you're talking about yourself, you're talking. Mm -hmm. People are listening. That can be okay. But I think generally speaking, it's better to be interested. And if you're interested, you're asking, inquiring, probing, following up, listening. Why? Who? Why is that? Number one, you'll learn a lot more. Number two, people enjoy that more to talk about themselves mm-hmm. than listening. Now, these are situational. If I'm in your class doing a presentation, I hope I'm interesting. Sure. But that comment about interested versus interesting is more around when you're with people individually, personally, or professionally, and you're in conversation. I find it much better to ask lots of questions and learn, then do the talking. I was talking to someone a few days ago who uh, just sold his software company, pretty big company, Mm -hmm. private equity. And he's now interviewing for another job. Mm -hmm. And the search firm said, you're referring, Greg Brown. What's the difference between 
so-and-so, a boss he used to work for, and Greg Brown. And I, by the way, Dr. White, this is two days ago. I had never heard this. And he said, well, so-and-so was autocratic, autocratic. Mm -hmm. And Greg Brown is Socratic. Interesting. Now, I looked up Socratic. Yes, (laughs) of course. And in essence, my interpretation was that he was explaining that his other previous boss was more control, command and control and dictator-like. And he said, Greg, with you, you would constantly ask questions, constantly mm-hmm. seeking information to try to get to a better answer. That's how he described it. Yeah. And that's a little bit of a variation on interested versus interesting. Mm-hmm. Another thing you've shared, and you've touched on it uh, briefly, was it's not the hand you're dealt, but how you play the hand. Play the five of clubs. There you go. And a lot of people, um, and I understand, look, we're all a product of our circumstances, how we were raised, our family, our education. There's no disputing that we are a byproduct of our upbringing. But people have a wide variety of what was good or bad about their upbringing. And I don't believe, I just don't believe in being a victim. So would I like to be smarter? Yep. Gone to an Ivy League school, perhaps. Been a computer science major, maybe. Uh, Been a great athlete, student athlete. Yeah, I didn't have that. And and by the way, I'm not whining. I'm just describing the facts. And it is not, people think, well, he or she was Silver Spoon, and that's why he or she's got it made and he or she didn't have x y and z and that's why they didn't that's i think simplistic and quite frankly obfuscating your responsibility Mm -hmm. because i don't believe it's the cards you're dealt it's the way you play the hand Mm -hmm. and if you got a five of clubs i wish we had a king or a queen or an ace or a jack you can lament about that Mm -hmm. You can talk about the injustices of my boss, my pay, my circumstances. You can do all that. Not very healthy. I say, think about what you do have. And if it's five of clubs, play it with all you got. Yeah. Metaphorical, I understand. But um, that has certainly, I've gotten the most out of the cards I've been dealt Mm -hmm. because of the people around me Mm -hmm. and um, letting them help and, I, I don't know. I, I, I get the question all the time. How did you get? I go back home to New Jersey. Sure. And people say, with all due respect, how did you possibly go from that to this? Mm-hmm. Because, Greg, you weren't that smart. Mm. You blended in. You were an average student. There was absolutely nothing significant about you at all, of which I immediately respond, thank you for that compliment. Right. <laughs> but that's it is I, I kind of like being the underdog too yeah. but at the end of the day and last night was a good example we could talk about being the CEO your compensation it, it, at the end of the day at the end of the day I believe Dr. White when it's all said and done it's about what you've given away given away materially because you can't take things with you but given away in the impact on other people. Mm -hmm. Relationships make the world go round. Mm -hmm. 
It does. I don't care what situation you are in. I say, I've said in your class, show me your friends, they'll show you what kind of person you are. Who you hang around with, who you socialize with, who you converse with, who you marry. Make that circle. Make those judgments and decisions around who, who. And if you make the right who, uh, the what and the how will follow. That's great. That is just great. It's, um, it's been a pleasure. Time has just flown by here in this interview. As always. Thank it you, does, doesn't it? Thank it you. really does. And thank you for being a part of our podcast series. My judgment, my decisiveness was correct. <laughs> you needed to be included because you are absolutely authentic and you are curious and you definitely have grit. Thank you for joining Leadership Web today. We hope that you found insight and guidance on leadership tools from this interview. Please join Leadership Web in two weeks as we explore another leader's leadership journey. Also, follow us on Instagram or LinkedIn by searching Leadership Web.